listeners, welcome back to HTO Football. Delighted to join you again. It's me, Tom, your co-host. Andrew's also with me in the hot seat, but we're joined by a couple of people this evening. Um, firstly, Jay Winter. Jay, how are you? Hey, good evening. I'm good. How are you? Very well, thank you. Very well. Jay's going to join us and help us ask our special guest a few questions this evening, but I will flick it to my co-host, um, Andrew. I trust you're well, and I trust you're looking forward to this evening's recording. Yeah, just a little bit. We're, we're delighted to welcome our third FA Cup winner onto the podcast, but actually our very first World Cup winner, the one and only Arsenal German legend, Per Mertesacker. Per, are you well? Are you still uh, bouncing after last night's 4-1 victory over the uh, the dark side? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I'm good. Thanks very much for having me um, here on this podcast. And yeah, obviously, you know, with a win, um, you always feel better, you know, Entering a new week of craziness in youth football. Yeah, the craziness continues. I mean, just craziness in football. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so you've you've been at the club, obviously coming up to nearly a decade now. Per it seems like a it's whiz by, right? Uh, Two thousand eleven at the end of that very hectic transfer window in the summer. Um, when you arrived, Per at the club, was was did you feel that you this is a place I could see myself for for a near and a long a decade and continuing? Probably not, no. You come with, obviously, <clears throat> I came here, um, you know, 26, 27 years old, uh, almost at my peak, you know, of my football and career. So you, you expect kind of going into your 30s and then looking to retire, that kind of expectation, three, four years of, of good football left in me at the highest level in the Premier League. And then obviously the plan as a family uh, would have been to go back to Germany. You know, that is kind of the expectations mm. you you. I started here um, and it came obviously totally different and I'm happy about it. <laughs> and so what, like you say, it's evolved in a different way than as you may be initially, initially envisaged. What, what was that change? I mean, obviously um, we'll get to in a minute, phenomenal display in that FA Cup final. We just got to quickly slip that in there with a nice little win there. Um, but then you know, th- this opportunity comes a year later in terms of uh, to take your role in the academy. Was that something that you'd seen again early in your career or was it sort of like, I'm going to be a manager I'm going to go into TV or was actually going into youth coaching and academy leadership something you'd always wanted to do yeah I think the biggest question footballers have to ask themselves you know what's what's going to happen after you know and the question mm. that uh, people don't want to tackle um, you know essentially I didn't want to tackle it <laughs> um, and then you kind of uh, I had the club with um revolutionists like Arsene Wenger you know and when people like him come to you and ask you you know can you can you see yourself staying at the club um you kind of think twice then you know what what is my next step going to look like obviously you know I'm very happy you know to to stay in football because that's something that gave me so much throughout my career and throughout my life and to to pass on some of my experience and knowledge to the next generation of players would was always something that maybe could be potentially something for me. However, you know, until it's, it faces you kind of with a lot of injuries I had towards the end of my career and then someone actually mentoring you and thinking of you, thinking highly of you, that's something that, that doesn't come across very often. So until that point, one year left on my contract, not knowing really what the situation would be and someone asked me if, it would, if I would want to stay at the club, obviously that... That, that meant as well, 
him saying to me, listen, your days as a footballer are over, basically, you know. So you have to admit at one stage that is probably over. Uh, but on the other hand, you know, another chapter opens up right in front of me. So from that moment, it really hit me. And I thought a week about, yeah, I want to retire now. It's the, it's the best place and the best position to be in. I don't want to go back to Germany and not meeting expectations, you know, from a FA Cup winner, World Cup winner. I didn't want to, I didn't want to go into that trap, basically. So from that moment, I've tried to prepare as hard as I could for the next kind of term in my career, um, which was not easy. Hmm. So on the one hand, it's a huge compliment that people see that in you. But on the other hand, you're like, what? Are you really telling me I can't do another 10 years in the Arsenal first yeah. team? Outrageous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I was quite realistic, you know, on that front and quite my perspective was always that, especially, you know, when we won the FA Cup in 2017, was it was a great achievement, don't get me wrong, I'm not going to belittle it here in any sense. However, I was out for a year, didn't play many minutes. Five weeks before that, I actually said to Arsene, listen, it's not working for me, I'm not in the score, I'm not playing just sent me on holidays, basically, you know, that, that these were the kind of conversation I had before playing a, a fake up final, which is, which <laughs> sounds a little bit weird. But then from that moment, probably, yeah, I played that phenomenal game, but I knew I can't repeat that, you know, on a, on a weekly basis. I, I, I literally put everything into that performance. So the, I, I knew the season after would be me training, trying to train at, at a high level and trying to mentor, trying to have high standards for the group. You know, that, that was my last season, basically. So I had time to meet up with academy staff, you know, and trying to prepare myself for the new role, which is brilliant. If you have a year of transition, doing my B license, um, plus the fact to get to know academy staff and players and trying to kind of prepare that journey, that was amazing for me and, and just the right thing to do. However, you know, if someone tells you, you're, you're probably not good enough anymore, um, but I was re realistic in that moment. So I, I kept calm. Yeah. Calm. You mentioned the word calm there, Per, and that's a word I think that seeps through your whole career, really, and a lot of leading a lot of fans to label you as such a great reader of the game. Is that a skill that you had naturally as a young centre back, or is that something that with experience over time you managed to pick up that where you could smell danger in the box that you just did so brilliantly on consistently? Yeah, I think that's something I had um, from the very early beginning. You know, always regarded to be a sweeper. You know, at the start of my, let's say, four, five, six years old, my dad took me to the game of football. I just stood next to the goalkeeper trying to, you know, smell danger wherever it was in front. So, no, I was no one that kind of trying to score goals or something. And then in my early stages playing football, I was always someone who could read early, you know, and would be in a good position to defend mm. anything. So that was probably a skill that was naturally, I was naturally gifted. However, you know, you need to evolve that, you know, as, as soon as you evolve that, when the speed, you know, goes up, uh, going toward the levels, you have to evolve that skill, that natural skill to the next level. Mm. So, and it felt, so you, I didn't have to change my game as much as being like someone who likes to cover, likes to see and read situations. I didn't have to change massive, massively from playing fourth league to Bundesliga. You know, that's something that I played simple, my game, obviously adjusting to the tempo. However, I didn't change as much as just, just being myself and, and giving value to the team by reading well, by winning my duels, finding, finding the, the right shirt at the right moment. 
that was basically me. So in, in terms of that, I always used to do that and then continue until the, the highest level playing at Arsenal, playing for Germany. Um, so, yeah, I think to answer your question, naturally, I was that kind of player. However, you know, you need to upskill yourself. You know, you cannot mm -hmm. just rely on those things. So, um, that so you've probably, been, you've probably been asked this on a few occasions, Per, about your transition from the German game to the English game. And yeah. everyone's asked it, aren't they? As soon as they come over to the Premier League, it's like, what's it like to play in the Premier League? Yeah. Um, what, what were the big changes for you? Oh, my God. Um, I mean, you you wake up uh, on the pitch and thinking, what's going on here, man? I, I, I read that <laughs> totally wrong. Someone that pushes me away just for fun. The physicality and the speed of the game is totally different. That's why everyone wants to play that. You know, Premier League is, is regarded as the as the best for me. Yeah, the, the quickest and the most physical um, league I've ever played in. So comparison to Germany, totally different. And yeah, I struggled, you know, in my, especially my first year. And then also you need good, good people around you who can see something in you. Like Arsene always said, said to me, you're intelligent enough to adapt, which I pretty much doubted, you know, when went to Norwich away, got, you know, massive mistake, you know, we were one nil down basically. And then you had players like Robin van Persie saving the day, we win 2-1 and you kind of get along with that, right? Massive mistake mm -hmm. from in, from my part, but actually you win the game and you kind of grow along that, that kind of grow along great players who, who save the day. So something that I will mm -hmm. never forget, Robin, for me to introduce me into the into the English game, but massive switch, you know, and you see in the, in, 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 in the new Chelsea players came from Germany, who is a tough task, you know, and you see mm -hmm. that and, and they realize, you know, we play against Brighton. It's not the same as playing against uh, Augsburg, Cologne. It's, it's different. You know, all these players can play. All these players have tempo. All these players play Premier League for a long time. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I can, I can really feel with them. And, and I always, if I get asked, I always tell them the story and hopefully they can make the most out of their second, third, fourth season to, to, to have an impact. Do you think as the game has, has sort of, um, sort of speed, sped up, I suppose, and, and the, the pace is so intense now, do you think that that skill of reading the game, Poe, is even more important in the modern, in the modern game as a centre-back? Yeah, probably. You, you get put under pressure a lot earlier, a lot quicker. And mm. some players can adjust, some cannot. That's that's the basic, and you need to uh, you need to learn from the mistakes fairly quickly. Mm. So so mm. so my understanding, I did a lot of mistakes early days, but probably the best season I played was yeah, let's say fourteen fifteen. So three years after, basically, you know, I came to the league. Mm. So the first year I struggled a lot, got injured, long term injury. Um, Went to the Euros, didn't play a single game, uh, but then, you know, came out much better, stronger and, yeah, evolving and adjusting to, to that, to that being under pressure much quicker mm. is sometimes a big struggle. So I cope with it quite well, but I wouldn't underestimate if some cannot cope with it. You know, I need to go a different route. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. You mentioned that the injury in your first year at Arsenal, Per, and did that did that impact things in terms of like imposing your leadership skills on the squad? Because let's face it, you know, yeah. Arsenal club, we know as fans, like we, every year it's like we, we need leaders, we need leaders, and then yeah. Matasaka turns up and it's like right, we've got our man. Did you feel it was it frustrating with the injury? Yeah, absolutely. And what what tends to happen is especially when you got a long term injury. I knew I was out for three months, and. Mm -hmm. I knew from that time 
I, I wouldn't hang out much because I, what I tend to do is completely get out of the bubble and go to a rehab clinic somewhere else. So I, would pro I wasn't around probably for a month because I didn't want to go into that kind of story of being around the training ground every single day. You, just, you see the lads training, getting out to the training pitch, preparing for games. Mm -hmm. I think when you're injured, you, you kind of are in your own bubble. You know, you have to, you have to. It is difficult to be in the training ground. That is my experience. And I was 27 at that time and I had already injuries. So I, I knew how to cope with it in the best possible way for myself. It's a little bit of selfish in terms of, you know, leadership and being someone that is regarded as, as a leader. Something that Arsene Wenger said to me in, in, in the first phone call we had together. Yeah, we want you to come here to bring your leadership, everything in German. That was as well really impress, impressing. However, mm. um, I couldn't do my job then, you know. So I, I kind of admitted I can't do my job right now. However, um, I, I expected that, you know, that the, after the first season, that would be tough, you know. And then we had Lauren Koscielny, Thomas Van Marlen being in front of me, basically, you know. So I had to challenge the, the skipper at that time, Thomas Van Marlen, you know, in, in, in the second season. And Lauren, he played anyway every single game. So it was a tough time. However, missing three months plus missing any game of the Euros in, in 2012 kind of challenged me. So I was, I was kind of fit and ready once preseason kicked in. Um, injury was healed, didn't play a single game, so I could kickstart. Kick I didn't have to recover from any kind of games and ex extended season, which happened a lot before mm. that. So I could really kickstart. And then all of a sudden, I, I just wanted to be myself. And, and I knew if, I, if I'm myself... I, ha I have high standards for myself and for other people. It just would grow naturally in the first couple of months for me being mm -hmm. back that I was regarded that I could be an option. And literally um, throughout that season, Arsene Wenger decided that Lauren and myself would be a good pairing in terms of the qualities we have would match. And we had, we had fantastic spells together and, and, and you could really sense a partnership grow and we had fantastic spells. So yeah, but I knew you know, the second season would be tougher because more was demanded for myself. However, I knew I would I would match those demands by being myself and having high standards, as I said. Yeah, you mentioned about obviously the amount of resilience that those challenges instill in you, Per, and I guess you can. There's a lesson of lesson of hope there, isn't there, for someone like a Gabriel Martinelli, for example, that's been going through bad injury problems at such a young age. Um, as as an academy manager, is that something that you try and relay to your, you know, your your younger guys that, that you have to you have to almost face adversity to to to, to strengthen right yeah embrace it even even go a step further you know embrace adversity and it is it is really our responsibility for a lot of youngsters to to let them know there's adversity you know for some of them there's there's none playing up give getting the pat on the back scoring goals you're, you're the best player you're this you're that you get a lot of stuff that is normal and a lot of expectations from parents, from people around and from ourselves. However, mm. how can we instill, you know, adversity when there's none? Mm. So that's the challenge for, for, for all of us, for, for our coaches, for myself, because I know how much it helped me, you know, my younger ages being told off, being told you, you're never going to make it, uh, missing a year of a growth spurt when I was 15, 16. 
these things made myself and made me so resilient. So sometimes you need to go through these experience, which which make you stronger at the end of the day. I, I, I was going to ask actually that in terms of the differences that you can see from yourself when you were in youth setup when you were growing up to now. That obviously in many ways, so many things potentially a club like Arsenal with the investments we make in our academies, so yeah. much easier. But equally, so many more differences. It must be worlds apart in terms of the pressures that these young players face. So potentially less on. There's there's so many more facets, isn't there, there to the kind of development? Maybe not just as players, but people, spotlight, media pressures, yeah. potentially stuff that didn't exist, um, or certainly not to the same degree when you were younger. Yeah, and that, I, I'm very. Well, I think so that I'm humble enough to understand that there's. A game changer in social media right now you know within within the normal society and an underage transfer market you know where you know talented kids drive around london and find their best fit but ultimately what they're doing is yeah getting told a lot of you know a lot of this and you get this here and this is what we have that is a tough one you know for any kind of parent and player to be in so yeah, I need to learn and grow, you know, being an academy manager and the club allows me to do so to, to, to as well to hire people who have that knowledge and can mentor me and help me to understand that to make the best possible decisions. However, we, we have a fantastic facilities. We have, we have people who work full-time on site. We have nearly a hundred people influencing one player, you know, throughout their journey. It's just, just the numbers are just 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 tough to understand and realize, and and the amount of work we put into tournaments, you know, abroad, not right now, but tournaments and trying to develop these players into well-rounded ones. Sometimes it's a little bit too much for 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 someone to take on, and and once that academy bubble burst at one stage, you know, is not what society gives, you know, on a regular basis. So it, it is a tough environment to be in. And we as staff need to educate ourselves constantly, you know, on those constraints that we create, that mm. we create. And, you know, at fault, you know, we, we are at fault that we, yeah, we pay for potential. We, not something that I necessarily want and something that I have to probably sometimes, um, you know, chuck, the moral I have, you know, out of the window where you say, yeah, you pay, you know, sometimes a 70 year old for potential, you know, that's what, that's what we do. That's the yeah. market we're in. So, um, but however, you know, I feel like that we have more and more people, uh, myself included, who want to give perspective, want to give education, you know, what is the reality of entering the academy at under nine is that mm. less than a percent make it to professional football. That's the reality of, an academy graduate or an academy person or an academy player that joins us at under nine. So we need to have that in the back of our minds constantly when we make decisions. Mm. But what about that pride that when a player, like you said, because it is, yeah. you know, you're, you're paying for potential. Yeah. There's a lot of pressure on these young players. There's a lot of media spotlight already. Thousands of, of followers on social media, which is just crazy for what essentially are kids, you know. And yet, but like you said, then there must be an immense pride when you do see some players. And I'm thinking this season, namely, if we look at the names that are starting to break through as, as mainstays of the Arsenal eleven, you know, people like Saka, people like Emil Smith-Rowe, like it must be fantastic when that happens. You know, these are the examples, you know, uh, we, we work for on a daily basis, but we, we are very, very proud of those, of those examples because they are very powerful. But I think that, you know, these 
you know, we, we call them strong young gunners, you know, that, that is kind of the vision for the academy, which sometimes you feel, oh, just the one who turn up to be at the Emirates is a strong young gunner. We're trying to develop strong young gunners anywhere in the world. And that's the challenge, you know, we, we kind of put yeah. to ourselves that in any business of the world, there should be strong young gunners, you know, that, that, that is our kind of vision, you know, towards, but however, obviously, you know, when someone enters the academy at under nine level, yeah, there's a vision for him to play at the Emirates, of course. And that's, that's one of our, you know, selling points, you know, when we can get Bakayo, Emil Smith-Rowe on a, you know, let, let, let's say on a, on a call online now with the under eight squad and parents, you know, they, they love it because I, I'm just feeling that th they will never forget that in their lives. Mm -hmm. And the influence that will have on them youngsters is, is positive. You know, we want to share and create positive memories for, for staff and players as much as we can. Um, that they have, you know, as I said, positive memories, a positive time, and that they are role models, no matter where they end, role models for, for the next generation. Um, so Absolutely. yeah. You, see, you sound very passionate about the role. Have you, is this something you see yourself doing in sort of like a, I won't put you on the spot in terms of the Arsenal role, but in terms yeah. of youth, you know, are you definitely going to be here in five years? Tell us now. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in terms of youth development and, and academy management, we look at people like, Today was breaking news that Frank Lampard was obviously yeah. uh, released by Chelsea. The pressures of being a first-team coach, th does that interest you at all? Or actually, are you still so um, wrapped up in, in, in youth development and academy coaching? Yeah, at the moment, I'm wrapped up. Obviously, I, I did my badges, B license, A license. Yeah, to be equipped to make calls on coaches as well. You know, I didn't want to just be the, the ex-professional who, who does nothing, you know, you know just to... To, to justify my job now, I need to learn a lot. So uh, I want to be a lifelong learner. I want to be a role model for, for the youngsters to do something, you know, next to their football, basically, you know, when they grow up. So I need to be on the forefront on, 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 on that kind of pillar of, of being a lifelong learner. Um, yeah, I've had three weeks with Freddie, you know, which was an intense time, which mm. I look back on. Yeah, the club's trusting me to, um, to pick up you know, when there's something to do, which is, which is good. However, you know, managing and being a coach, I think that's not something I'm, you know, I'm looking to do. So, so managing the academy is something that fulfills me completely, you know, in the pos position I am right now and the trust the club gives me alongside um, Edu and, and Mikel. That's something that really excites me for, for, for the short term. So I'm so you don't fancy getting 200 million plus from Roman Abramovich just to get your marching order 18 months later. No, absolutely. <laughs> not. I, I, no, absolutely not. So, you know, I, I try not only to, to speak passionately about something, but to put really effort into it and to, to be hardworking. That's something I can relate to. And um, so I'm, I didn't know what to expect from the role, you know, when I first started, when I first got offered it. Now I, I, I know the landscape and there's, a lot of things to do, a lot of people to connect with, you know, staff and players. And if you want to have an impact, yeah, you need, you need to be there. You need to be present. This is not mm. a, a role for me where I just show my face or do a couple of podcasts, speak passionate about it. You want to have an influence on the players. So they need to see you. They need to feel you. They need to see you behaving the way I behave. Otherwise, we have no chance to, to change the landscape of, of youngsters who, you know, who, who just not not just dream about playing football which is fantastic but have a perspective on on how do i create a positive life 
and be a role model for the next generation if they don't see role models, you know, of the older generations. You mentioned just touching um, on that pair. Oh, sorry, go for Jay. Go for Jay. Yeah. So, um, in terms of the whole media training with all the youngsters and stuff like that, there's an iconic interview with you after the match against Algeria in the 2014 yeah. World Cup. Uh, it's one I personally <laughs> really admire, and I'm sure you remember it as well. Uh, would you advise the academy kids to approach interviews with the same amount of honesty that you did? <laughs> I don't. So we we do in media training. So I, and I think <laughs> the advice goes within. Um, to you know, keep composure, keep calm. You know, you know, be realistic, um, say the right lines. However, honesty sometimes is is a good guide. You know, for for myself. Mm. You know, and especially mm. after playing 120 minute minutes, and then obviously the spotlight is on you. You kind of forget everything around you. You forget cameras. So uh, you know, this this is a good example of something I, I would show. However, you know, and, and, and it wasn't abusive or something like that. It was just something where um, I tried to stand up for something that I really believed. And, and this, is the, mm. this is the world of having an opinion, you know, so the journalist can have an opinion. However, you can disagree mm. with that opinion. In that moment, I was probably a little bit, you know, heated and, and had a couple of, you know, kind of rants where you probably wouldn't advise to. However, if it doesn't cross the line, it, it didn't cross the line. So um, it, it's a good example to show. And just from, from the outside perspective, um, people would then embrace that honesty and just make it that you really, you know, stood up for something that you believed by not, by respectfully challenge, you know, is something that we speak often about. And we are really keen on, on our youngsters not to do, the, do an interview where they say absolutely nothing and just just stand there for, for for the sake of it. Have you know? Have your own personality. Mm. At some stage, you need to develop yeah. that. You know, and if, if, even if that yeah. comes about, it is is a fantastic thing to have. However, in the media training, you know, we would probably <laughs> advise to show them that there could be potentially different answers. Um, talk, talking of fruity language, though, and expletives, one of our um, viewers and listeners did write in and say one question they'd love to ask you is what you thought of your song the Arsenal fans would sing for you. Um, yeah. did, did you love it? I mean, it's a great tradition of, of personalised songs at Arsenal. And yeah, I hope you enjoyed that one in general. Yeah, not at the start, I guess. You know, my, my, my feeling was that, yeah, I don't know. They don't like me, basically. But fairly quickly, someone told me, yeah, that's the, that's the humour of, of the English, English people. And they actually love you. So, you know, you, Absolutely. you, yeah. you, get, you, you get used to that. So now I know that it is quite <laughs> iconic to get a song and it was fairly, fairly early. I got it. I didn't understand it in the first place, but I was educated. So I didn't, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't go into the interview saying, oh, people hate me or people don't like me here. I need to, I need to shoot off. Like you said, but, lifelong learning. Do you know what I mean? Or you're never too young to learn new tricks. Yeah, lifelong learning is a, is a, is a huge part of it. So yeah, I, I then from that moment, you, you got to embrace it. Absolutely. Um, how's life changed um, since Mikel came back to the club yeah. as a manager? What sort of uh, have you felt that change in a big way? Is it a positive place to be? I presume you're not going to say it's a horrible place to be, but I'm um, hopefully not. Um, but how's it changed? I mean, for me, obviously, you know, we we had a connection from our playing together. So for me, it obviously it changed massively in the sense of you have someone you trust. <laughs> so it, it, it's, it's a different ball game from from our trust to one another um, and just counting on each other is something different that we have developed, 
you know, while playing together. So, you know, his, his form of leadership, and I know it quite well, I learned from him. Um, but I would say that, you know, with our partnership, captain, vice captain worked really well, you know, because we complemented each other so well in our natural leadership. Because everyone is different, everyone kind of feels it different. So I, I kind of, when he came in, um, because I was quite stressed in the three weeks being a manager. So when he came in, I just said to him, yeah, congratulations, but I'm off now. So he kind of <laughs> took it over. Uh, we had a couple of conversations, but I think he has a clear idea and has clear values that mm -hmm. quite match with the club ones. And to see that as a... Uh, as a long-term kind of project for him as well, because we, we have to admit that we haven't been at the top for years now, you know, to, for that to turn around and kind of create a club that's going to be successful within the Premier League and the Champions League again is, is quite a big task. So I, I don't envy him in that being in that position. However, I support him as much as I can because I know how much he means it, how much the club means to him and vice versa now and how much we kind of, yeah, rely on his strength and his leadership to kind of take us to the next level. And I'll do utmost everything to, to kind of help him and support him in that because I, I know my role, I understand my role. So when he needs me, I'm, I'm here. When, when I need him, he's there for me as well. So it's not only a one-way thing and I appreciate that from him. I wanted to ask you about someone else that you complimented you particularly well on that final day in 2017, Rob Holding. Yeah. Um, what, what do you see in Rob? I mean, just signed a new deal. Um, there, there are elements of his game that remind me of your style, actually. He's a, he's a thinker. Um, what, 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 what's been your advice for, for Rob as he's developed? Yeah, um, you know, and, and I spoke to him just before he got injured. I saw clarity in his game, you know, for the first time when I said to him, listen, you have, you have clarity in your game, left foot, right foot, the simplicity. It, it looks genius to me. That's what I said to him. You know, you, you kind of went to a point where he looks matured and experienced to take on the next level. Then he got injured and I feel like he came, just came back to what I saw in him when just before the injury. So I'm, I'm really pleased with his development as someone who is mm. reliable and that is the biggest quality on earth, you know, being reliable um, on and off the field. That's something for a centre-back that is pretty much needed. That consistency that he, that he has right now is, is quite cr critical in his career right now, you know, to be in a position to, to lead and to role model the next generation. He's, he is, you know, one of those who has to step up now for the sake of Arsenal and our club, you know, and I really demand that from him now because... Yeah, he has seen players, you know, at Arsenal being there, guiding him, but that's over now, you know. So he needs to develop into a leader that can take on the, the, the kind of responsibility to show the way for a lot of youngsters that come into the dressing room, you know. So he's pretty much the one who needs to guide Bukayo, Emil, Reese, Joe, um, Ainsley to the next level, kind of, because... He came from another academy. He came, he came to Arsenal with low expectations as he only cost 5 million, I guess. I think Arsenal, Arsenal was kind of well-known for that quote that people weren't happy because he didn't cost 55 million or something. I yeah, can yeah. remember that quote. Yeah. That, that game at Leicester, wasn't it? The press conference. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, no, I, I, I'll, I'll ask for him to, to step up. And I see that clarity in his game uh, back again. So, I'm really happy for him. 
Well, one player who came with great expectations obviously left the club this month for Mesut. Um, what would be your abiding memories of Mesut in an Arsenal shirt? Um, obviously, did come with those expectations. Yeah. Um, in some quarters, very much lived up to them and have a, had a had many great successes, and others, and probably at the end, not probably the Arsenal career he wanted towards the end. Um, what would be your abiding memories of him playing for Arsenal? Yeah, we we have won some you know some trophies together. And when you look back, and, and, and now social media world is brilliant and bringing up like kind of assists or goals that he scored, you know, when you look at them, you kind of think... Everything your stats, isn't it now? <laughs> yeah. Kind of the impact he had on the club and the trophies we won and magic moments, that would have been probably uh, a lot of him, you know, <laughs> a lot of him being on, on, on the pitch. So, and I played with him in Bremen, with the national team, Arsenal. So we had kind of... Um, yeah, long-lasting memories forever. So I'm I'm quite grateful that we played together. Obviously, the last year or so wasn't that good, you know. So it's kind of, you know, a, a bitter ending in that sense. However, I hope uh, that he finds his way back, you know, to playing consistently. That's what I wish him because he has done so many great things. And so hopefully, yeah, he'll come back to his, his level and gets embraced there uh, in, in Turkey, which I think he will be. Yeah. What, what do you put that down to over the last sort of 12 months of Mesut? Do you think it was just a lack of fit with, with Mikel or just... You know, sometimes um, it's those things, new managers come in, have they, have they got their ideas on how to play? And, you know, and I think it didn't fit as much, you know, as, as maybe before. So it's just just a sense of that the, the fit wasn't there anymore. So, um, and people move on from that, right? Even if it's sometimes mm. difficult. And I hope he, he he still can come back to to his best and just you know give us these moments where we think yeah you know he might have could have played you know a couple yeah. of seasons for Arsenal still so these moments will probably occur in the next couple of years and and I hope th these will happen you know for us all to to really think about him and his 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 game which which he deserves. Jay, Jay, I think you had a couple of questions from Per's time in the Bundesliga and Premier League as well. Now we mentioned mention his time yeah. there. <clears throat> yeah, I did actually. So obviously you just mentioned that you played with uh, Ozil, you know, for Werder Bremen. You played for the national team as well. Um, so you must have come up, you know, against some great opponents in that time. Who would you say is some of the hardest opponents that you've played against and why? Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Obviously, you know, once you come into the Premier League, you kind of change you the narrative of a tough opponent to play against. So, you know, the likes of Aguero, Fernando Torres, you know, are play up strikers that um, I had a tough time against. You know, of the various reasons. You know, various reasons. I thought that Torres was one of the best strikers around the um, 2008. It's already 12 years ago. Um, where we struggled to to beat Spain in 2008, 2010, always lost big games, you know, finals, semi-finals, European World Cup. Torres was always someone, and then his time at Liverpool, where he was probably the best striker uh, because of of he was an all-rounder, you know, speed, agility, tempo, just composure was all there. Uh, Aguero. Um, his legs are just dominant, you know, dominant. His center of gravity is below, I don't know, below the, the grass, basically, which <laughs> makes it difficult for anyone to defend against. So, yeah, I was quite lucky to have matchups where I try not to focus too much on, you know, the striker you play directly against. 
I try to focus on our kind of structure and how we could possibly best defend a striker together, yeah. which, <laughs> which was not always the case. However, um, I try to think about not having a direct opponent in my head to make it a little yeah. bit more easier, you know, approaching the game. Try to drop off, let someone else take him on first, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you were taking him. Yeah. You were taking him. I think we're just glad that Aguero, um, you know, has suffered some niggles down the years. Otherwise, I think you know all the yeah. games he would have uh, had a thousand goals by now. That's the, that's the danger with him. Yeah. So, um, in contrast, then I've, I really want to pick your brains about who is like one of the most underrated players you've ever played with. Maybe he doesn't get the spotlight as much as they deserve. You know, when you're training day in day out with them, sort of thing. You know, you. You really get to appreciate their talents. Is there anyone that you know sticks out for you in that category? Yeah, I, I remember even Mikel Arteta used to say that about me. You know that I was underappreciated. <laughs> I just want to make a point here. But when I when I look back at the days at Arsenal, um, a really player what who was underestimated was Francis Coughlin. You know, I remember him being a. Um, being a top, top guy in training, even when he played, you know, it was difficult for him going through, you know, coming from abroad to the youth side, mm. you know, and then breaking into it. He had his moments, but he was, he was a great footballer and still is. Then he had this horrible Achilles injury, but someone that is, yeah, that was underappreciated. And um, I think, yeah, it's just great to see him having success somewhere else um, mm. as well. He was out, he was outstanding on that day at the Etihad. Uh, do you remember that, that game? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. One two two nil, right? Yeah, Santi was running the show, but Cockalem was um, outstanding that game. Yeah, Santi always rightly gets plaudits for that game because yeah. he was fantastic. But <laughs> yeah. but yeah, Francis was phenomenal as well. I hope you just quickly say because um, when Arteta said that you're underrated, you should tell him that as a manager now. Just say, but by the way, I think you're quite underrated. I think you're quite okay. You're okay. Just say, don't worry if the media don't think you're very good, Mikel. I I, I personally think you're you're not too bad. <laughs> um, obviously amazingly great for you to coming on today one one little small uh, quick fire challenge that we always do with our guests is we'll just um, Andrew and I will fire some questions at you and hopefully it can be one or two word answers um, you know a little bit off, off, off kilter so Andrew do you want to go for it yeah let's kick off then first one per favourite sport apart from football basketball would you prefer Germany to win the World Cup again or Arsenal to rise and win the Premier League again um, Arsenal Premier League, I think. <laughs> I think so, but it's very close. To <laughs> yeah, and yeah. it's only because Germany won it so recently. If it was yeah. like, to, if yeah. it was twenty years for them, yeah. already. So. Yeah. We can edit that. We can edit that answer out. <laughs> <laughs> Let us know if you want to keep it. Maybe record both and then tell us which one you prefer us to release on the day. <laughs> um, so the next one is favorite sports film per or documentary. Um. Oh, favorite sports documentary. Um, I watched the Last Dance, which was quite impressive. You know, from Ch Chicago yeah. Bulls run. Fantastic. Very impressive. One one centre back um, who you'd have loved to have played with in your career, but you never got the chance to. Oh, um, yeah, probably uh, Tony Adams. Just to get a feel on how it, you know, just how it feels to, to be next to someone who looks quite impressive and solid at the back. 
Yeah, you you would both would have been taking the game very one paced. Yeah. Uh, Tony Adams is a legend. He's Mr. Arsenal. He's the greatest. But I think, well, I don't know. We'd have needed some very very quick runners around you both. Um, but, 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 I thought you were picking him up, Tony. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Um, this is a classic. Uh, Ronaldo or Messi? From a very, very German selfish perspective, we always used to stop Messi with Argentina quite well. Uh, Portugal as well. However, I feel like at the moment, I would pick probably Ronaldo. Yeah. Yeah, it's your opinion. I mean, it doesn't have to be right. Um, (laughs) (laughs) This would be some kind of controversial, you know? Yeah. Well, look, look, they're both greats. So I think we, we, um, Andrew and I and HGO are big fans of Messi, but you know, it's very you're talking splitting hairs. Um, one question we always ask as well is: you've got three dinner guests are coming around to the Murtasaka household, um, dead or alive, from the world of sport. You can ask anyone around. Um, yeah. Who would you want to come for dinner? Um, um, world of sports, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Um, I would pick. Um, Michael Jordan for sure. I would pick um, Muhammad Ali. I would love to see him. And I would pick uh, LeBron James. Nice basketball flavors, basketball flavors. Very nice. I was gonna, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, you've got the greatest basketball player ever, greatest boxer ever, the greatest footballer ever. Yeah, (laughs) you're you're going well. And then another basketball player. We, we, we're just with Andrew. Just want to cover off a couple of other questions that have come in from listeners. Um, while we've got what is it? okay, we've got we've got a big Arsenal fan, Sal's um, is tweeted in and he goes, Where does Murtaka get his Arsenal tracksuit f- bottoms from? He is or he's six foot seven himself and he says he's they're always too short, so he wants to get some bespoke ones like you get. <laughs> uh, I don't know how they do it, I always struggle, you know, there always needs to be extra tailor made trousers for myself you know so <laughs> absolutely um it's, it's quite it's quite difficult you know for me to get um so the answer the answer is unlucky he's unlucky, not getting yeah. a contract yeah <laughs> that's you you i need a belt often because you know then it matches everything together so two slightly more serious questions um what do we what do you rate as your greatest personal individual performance um Greatest individual from an expectation point of view, clearly it's 2017 against Chelsea, which I probably expected for myself. Nothing, nothing at all. Um, and the fans neither. So um, I probably, in terms of low expectations and then coming out on top, that would be um, FA Cup final 2017. Um, in terms of other great performances, whew. I need to look at, you know, the finals that we played in. Um, probably um, Aston Villa, you know, 2015, when we yeah. won the second FA Cup against Benfica. That was one of, like, performance where, yeah, we dominated from the start, really. Yeah. But against a, a player that was highly regarded as a striker, physical target, we, yeah. we couldn't get a sniff. So Was that the best header of your Arsenal career, Per? Yeah, head and shoulders, man. 
You know, I got a sponsor <laughs> after that. So uh... more relaxed than the whole final as well. A bit more relaxed. You know, we've got, we got um, just one final question in from on Twitter from Daniel. This is quite a n- nice one to end on, actually. What do you think is the most important thing to prepare a young player for when they make the step up from this to the senior game from academy level? Wow. Um, yeah, I, I hope to f- to think that you know that that kids have a, 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 a humble opinion about themselves, you know, always to, to get better, you know, to work to get better. You know, I, I always link humility to, you know, where's my next gap? You know, I hope to think that we can build, you know, that kind of mentality, you know, which are linked to champion mentality, a, a player that, you know, you know, especially when adversity kicks in, that kind of wanting to do something about it, um, like like the drive, the drive to I always say drive to improve, drive to compete, and drive to win. That's something we're trying to instill in into every player to compete at the highest level and never stop. Basically, because you know my challenge to the young players is that once you're in the first team dressing room, that's when it starts. You know, not where you relax and think I've made it. So um, I think there's a lot in that answer. Probably a little bit too long. I know it's good stuff one advice is always difficult I think um, you know there needs to be perspective of a lot of things and we're trying to prepare them as much as we can absolutely well Per we just want to say a massive thank you for coming on to the pod this evening Um, thank you obviously for your support of of our um, Willow Foundation fundraiser and generally obviously from an Arsenal fans perspective thank you very much for your service over the years and continued service as you say the journey just just doesn't start um stop when they get into the first team. It clearly goes on for for a very long time, and hopefully for very many years to come um, at Arsenal. So thanks again. Thank you guys. No, yeah, we really appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of your evening, Per. Yes. Thank you very much. Bye, guys. So uh, that was a brilliant chat to have a, on. Obviously, a bit of an Arsenal hero there, but also a World Cup winning defender. Um, Jay, how did you enjoy your experience on HTO with Per? It was amazing. I mean, obviously, it's my first appearance on this podcast and straight with Per Matasaka. I mean, it doesn't really get any better than that, does it? Um, yeah, it's only one I think... downhill from here, Jake. <laughs> well, don't, don't say that, guys. <laughs> just announcing next week's guest of, you know, Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo, you know, just to say, you know, keep, keep, yeah. keep everyone listening, interested. Yeah, yeah, and then we've got another World Cup winner on next week, so... Uh... Yeah, yeah. We've, got, we've got Pele on next week, you know, just like... <laughs> But uh, that's great. And um, it's interesting to hear his reflections on what was what came across to me, guys, I don't know about you, is, is how hungry he um, was to continue learning, developing, um, you know, as a professional, both and as a real a student of the game, clearly, even still. Definitely. I think, I think always as a player, you always saw him as a very intelligent player, you know, on and off the pitch. Mm-hmm. He was always you know, one of the more could really express his thoughts and opinions and wasn't shy from like being a proper leader. And I think you could always see that. Yeah. I think the, the thought that's gone behind his whole planning process after, after playing as well is reflects the, the style of play on the pitch, you know, very calm, thoughtful. Um, yeah. And I just, what I really loved from that chat was the, that whole message of like life lessons, you know, like the, an Academy is about, you know, developing young people not just young footballers um, and I think that's the message that hopefully yeah the listeners would have enjoyed as well also a big shout out to sort of like how many people you know you said the hundreds of people are going to developing these young talents now and the money that's spent on only potential and to clearly what a big 
business it is as well as sort of like um you know a, a growth of those individuals it's clearly just such big business now and um also obviously quite interesting to get his candid thoughts on on Mesut Ozil and his departure and you know just the admission that maybe it didn't work out um you know see eye to eye with um Mikel but clearly a great player for his time at Arsenal um yeah and some nice answers there to some of those questions from our from our listeners you know whether that be long tracksuit trousers required from Adidas or you know some st- stuff about his like his, his famous chant um, that you, Arsenal fans would sing for him when he was playing. Um, I'm glad he realised it was affectionate though, because it was definitely an affectionate thing. Um. <laughs> well, that's another episode wrapped up at HTO Football, guys. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed it, and uh, we'll see you next time. Take care.